right, grab your Bibles, please, and open to Philemon, the book of Philemon. If you got a Bible from an usher, that's page 1101. And as you're doing that, Joe, our growth groups coordinator, will come and preach this morning. It is an honor to open God's word with you this morning. And is uh, following the lead of Jared. I am uh, Joseph Daniel Level, three names there. <laughs> but we uh, look forward to sharing God's word together. So as, uh, if, if you haven't found Philemon by now, uh, it's good practice. It's right next to Titus, which we'll be in next week. Um, so it's right after that. So uh, if you found it, please stand with me if you're able, out of respect for God's word. These are the most important words that will be said today. Philemon, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he indeed is useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this is perhaps why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but but more than a bondservant, as, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your own, of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit for you, from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so does Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You may be seated. As as you're seated, let's, let's pray one more time. 
Father, thank you for this example in scripture of Paul's plea for Onesimus. I pray, God, that this would be a time where we have soft hearts to the working of your word, that you would do what you do in our hearts and our lives, that you would change us into your image. So thank you for the responsibility and for the opportunity to share your word. It is heavy, and God, I don't take that lightly. It's by your grace. And so I pray, God, that we would, as we listen, that is heavy, that this is a, a responsibility as we hear your word to respond in faith and repentance. So I pray we would do that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you've been watching the news or if you've been paying attention at all this last week, you may have noticed that there is a movie that's shattering all kinds of box office records, the new Marvel's Avenger movie. Don't worry, I'm not going to spoil it. If you haven't seen it, you can rest assured. Um, but speaking of spoiled, there, there was actually a, a, um, a, a, an article that I saw this week that really caught my attention. And what happened was that, that back when the last Avengers movie came out, The Infinity Wars, um, there was this guy who had posted on Instagram that he hadn't seen it yet, and so hashtag no spoilers, please. Well, the thing about Instagram is apparently you can search hashtags, and somebody, some troll did that and just posted all of the plot and everything that happened in Infinity Wars and totally spoiled it for this guy. Not a very nice thing to do. Um, so what caught the attention of everybody is that, that rather than just telling this guy off and, and kind of saying you're a troll, he, he actually befriended him on Instagram and they, they started chatting and becoming uh, you know, very friendly towards one another and sharing memes and stories and just tell, saying what's going on. And what's interesting about that is now Endgame has come out and the guy, what, the one guy he actually went and... Um, you know, saw it the first night to make sure nobody was going to spoil it this time. Um, and he asked the other guy, he goes, hey, have you seen Endgame yet? No, no, I haven't had a chance. I'm going to see it about next week. Don't spoil it for me. Guess what he did? <laughs> he actually had gone to the theater and took pictures <laughs> during the movie and <laughs> posted them to this guy who had spoiled Infinity War and he gave all of the entire movie away. And the guy's like, why did you do this? I thought we'd reconciled and that, that we were friends. He goes, we're not friends. I never forgave you for what you did to me. The only reason I friended you was so that I could do this to you and get you back. Right? <laughs> So there's this like big debate going on, uh, apparently, about whether that was the right thing to do or not. Um, that brings us to forgiveness this morning. And you think, well, that was a pretty small thing. You don't know what's happened in my life. People have really wronged me in my, in my life and in my scenario. It's It's awful. And, and I, I don't doubt that. Maybe some, somebody, you're, you're here today, and you and, your, you and your spouse are really struggling. Maybe, maybe you've got problems with friends, either speaking harshly to you or even ignoring you. Maybe, maybe you have coworkers or scenarios at work that are just not fun, and you're being mistreated. I don't know your situation today, but today as we look back into, for the third time, back into the book of Philemon, I want to share from this book an appeal for forgiveness. And that as, as believers in Christ, as, as those who have been redeemed, 
in, in light of our own relationship with God through Christ, we must forgive. Now, today's not meant to be a full discourse on the ins and outs of what to do in this scenario and that scenario. And if you need to talk to somebody as afterwards to, to kind of get some clarification, I would encourage you to do so. But, but in this passage, in this text, we, we find this real-life scenario, this real-life appeal for somebody to forgive. And Paul had already, up until this point, he had, he had praised Philemon for his love and his care for all the saints. And now we're coming to the body of the letter. Now we're coming to the reason why he wrote it, to appeal for the life of Onesimus. And here he is, Philemon gets this letter, probably from Onesimus' own hand, a letter from Paul asking him to receive Onesimus back and to reconcile with him as a brother. And I ask, how does Paul have the right to do that, to ask him to reconcile? Because Onesimus had done real damage to Philemon. He'd done real wrong. I mean, he had, he had run away, and, and presumably, as it's indicated here, he, he may have stole a great deal of money to fund his escape. And on top of that, Philemon would have had to pay to, to replace his labor. And so there's then this debt that's been occurred, and there's no way that Onesimus, as a fugitive, would have had been, been, ever been able to repay Philemon for the damage he had done. And yet, Paul says, ask him to forgive. How can he do that? And in fact, how can, how can anybody be asked to forgive the wrong that has been done to them? And Paul, in this passage, he bases his request in three areas that we want to look at today, which gives tremendous weight and authority for our own need to forgive one another. And so the first, first area which gives weight is, is this, is the, that authority requires forgiveness. Authority requires forgiveness. Again, look at verse 8. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Where, where does Paul get this authority to command? Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He, he was given this authority directly from Jesus to give command. But does he use it here? Notice in verse 1 it says, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. He doesn't say Paul, an apostle. He, he actually does that often in his writing he, to, to the churches. Six times he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But here he identifies himself as a prisoner for Christ. And he has this authority, and he's, he's bold enough to use that authority that he's been given by God through Christ. He could say, hey, I, I, I have rank to pull and I'm going to use that. But he doesn't do that. He, he appeals to Philemon on the sake of relationship. And so he goes into his scenario and what's going on, telling him, hey, I'm, in a, I'm Paul, an old man. And I'm, by the way, I'm a prisoner for Jesus Christ. It's like old man, he's, he's about 60 years old. So those of you who are around that age group, you're like, that's not old. I have parents around that age group, and I hear often, I'm getting older, but I'm not old. <laughs> in this culture, in this culture, that, that people who live that long, that is an old, a long time for them. And, and beyond that, Paul, Paul had gone through so much. 
He had been beaten and he'd been left for dead. He'd, he'd been gone through all these hardships. He's had like five lifetimes into this one life and it's, it's paid a toll. It's, it's, it's in there in his life and he feels the effects of it. He's an old man. And beyond that, because he is a prisoner for the gospel, and he, he brings that to Philemon saying, this is the scenario, not, not to manipulate Philemon, to get him to twist, to twist the situation so that, that he would get his way, but merely to call back the relationship that we, they had in that, that, that Philemon was a partner with Paul in the gospel. They'd ministered together. And so he reminds Philemon of his character and he reminds them of their relationship. And so there's this scenario where, where Paul has this authority as an apostle and as a co-labor to just say, hey, I command you, Philemon, forgive Onesimus. But he doesn't do that. Rather, he appeals to the relationship as a shepherd would. In addition to this, the, another area that, that gives tremendous weight to this, com- this ability to command is Paul. Paul could have weighed scripture. And, and, and so num- point number two, not only does, does the authority require forgiveness, but scripture reiterates forgiveness. Scripture reiterates com- forgiveness. You'll notice in this passage, in, in this whole book actually, there, there are no commands given. They could be, Paul, Paul acknowledges that. But there's no commands given at all. There's no doctrinal um, teaching here that would say, hey, this is why you should forgive. Paul assumes actually that Philemon knows those passages, knows Paul's authority, knows that forgiveness is reiterated again and again and again throughout the entirety of scripture, both Old and New Testament. He he would have known that a heart of forgiveness reflects the heartbeat of God seen and commanded throughout scripture. Have you noticed that in when you've been reading God's word? It's interesting that, that uh, as the New Testament's being written during this time, that, that there's a good chance that um, Onesimus, as he carries this letter to, Paul, to uh, Philemon from Paul, that he actually could have had another letter to give to the church there, the church of Colossae. And so in, in the book of Colossians, Paul does give commands of forgiveness. That add weight here. Look at, look at what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15 says this, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. It has the idea of putting up with each other. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. There's a command. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. Another letter also written around this time that, that would say a similar thing to the, book of, to, the, to the church in Ephesus. Paul commands it this way. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Check this out. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So you say, how, how, how far does my forgiveness have to extend? 
How much has God called you to forgive? Only as much as he through Christ has forgiven you. So if you've gone and you've forgiven those around you, to, forgiven those who've hurt you to the same degree that God who sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sins for you, to forgive you, you don't have to do anything more than that. Right? Do you feel the weight of that? Christ often, in, in, his, in his sermons, often commanded forgiveness. I mean, just to check out a few, Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 through 15. Even in, in the, the, the Lord's Prayer, he says this, After give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he, command, he says this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. C.S. Lewis put it this way, he says, To refuse forgiveness is to refuse God's mercy for ourselves. There is no hint of exceptions, and God means what he says. I mean, do you see an asterisk with an exception clause? I mean, maybe, maybe if the end game was spoiled for you, maybe that would cover it. I don't know. But I don't see even that. He goes on, Matthew chapter 18, one of the, one of the most powerful um, parables about this idea of forgiveness. And Peter comes to Jesus saying, thinking he's doing such a great job because back then the requirement, the expectation was that you would forgive three times for an offense. And so he comes to Jesus asking him, well, well should I forgive seven times? Like I'm, you know, pat my, myself on the shoulder. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And that doesn't mean you're sitting there saying, all right, you're on 53, Buster. And he gives this parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, which is an enormous, incredible sum. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. I mean, that's still a large amount, but no near where 10,000 talents. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that it, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went, reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. Because you pleaded with me. And should not, have, should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? 
And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debts. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you, every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus isn't done. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. He says this. He says, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. One more, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verses three and four. He says this, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Guys, this, you, you get the picture, but this is just looking through the New Testament. And there's more here that we could spend more time on. We haven't even covered the Old Testament. We could give dozens of passages, dozens of examples of, of people forgiving others like Joseph and Moses and, and, and God forgiving even the sin of, of David with adultery. We, we serve a God who loves to forgive. I mean, we, we just got done with a series in the book of Jonah. Remember? Where, where God forgave the wicked Ninevites who had repented in sackcloth and ashes, saying, saying we repent and he forgives them and has mercy. That is what he longs to do. That the Bible is a book full of a God who has forgiven those who have trespassed against him. It is his character and in turn, because he has forgiven you if a, as a believer, because he has forgiven me again and again and again, it, it, he commands us over and over throughout scripture. He reiterates it. It's the only response that makes sense. It's the only proper response. It's the only required response. That we would be called to forgive because we have been forgiven by God. And Paul here, he, he, he has this, it's weighing in the background. You know, I could, I could leverage my authority as an apostle. I could leverage all of these commands in scripture. And there's weight behind this. And he says, but, but I prefer to appeal to you. For love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. Which leads us to the last area. Is that love requests Forgiveness. Love requests forgiveness. And as, as we dig a little bit deeper into this passage, you'll see that Paul has such a heart for Philemon. And, and he sets a tone here, not of, not of command, but of appeal, of gentleness, friendship, patience, for love's sake. He, he seasons his words with grace. And Paul's helping him to see that in light of everything that God has done for him through Christ, in light of even their relationship, in light of Philemon's love for the saints, that, that, that to be consistent there, he would, he would surely forgive Onesimus. So reflecting that tone, that, that Paul could command and, and that he could bring in all this scripture yet, yet chooses for love's sake to appeal as, as we dig deeper. I want to ask us several questions that, that hopefully will help us as those who have been redeemed to see, hey, have we, do we have the heart of somebody who will, who will forgive? To diagnose where we're at. 
So as, as we look into this, the, the first question to ask is this, does the truth matter to you? Does the truth matter to you? Because it did to Paul, as, as we can see here. He, he gives the example, he gives the story. He's like, hey, uh, verse 9, Paul, I'm an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. Second time he says the word, I appeal to you. For whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Which is actually interesting. It's actually a play on words here because Onesimus' name actually means useful. So, so he's saying, all right, so useful used to be useless, but now useful's useful. It's interesting. And, and so he gives this story very sh- briefly. He tells the truth of exactly what had happened. He doesn't gloss over the fact that Onesimus used to be useless. He doesn't gloss over the fact that he has wronged Philemon. He, he tells the truth, the scenario that while he's there in prison in Rome, Onesimus comes uh, running away from Philemon and, and he comes to Christ. He becomes Paul's child in the faith. And, and now he's sending him back and now he's useful. Onesimus has changed. He's not the same person he was. And, and I love this because... I, I, he, he makes it to where he, he shows very clearly he's not going to minimize what happened. And, and I would ask you, when it comes to this idea of forgiveness, do you think that that's what God would have of you? That you would just brush under the rug what had happened to you? That you would just overlook and say, hey, no, no, nothing, it's no big deal. You know, here's a Pepsi, let's go watch football. Or, or can you have the truth Because Paul very clearly shared exactly what had happened. Do you believe that that this is what God asks of you or or do you rejoice in the truth? Which is a characteristic of love as seen in 1 Corinthians 13. God's love rejoices in the truth. Forgiveness cannot truly exist where celebrating the truth does not exist. So I ask, do you love the truth? Question number two, does care for others matter to you? Does care for others matter to you? Look at verse 12. He says, I'm I'm sending him, Onesimus, back to you, sending my very heart. Paul calls Onesimus his heart and earlier his child in his imprisonment. So he'd obviously gotten very close and had bonded with Onesimus and had, had received great care and affection from Onesimus for, for while he was there. And, and this, this idea, this word heart, is, is this term of affection, of endearment. Of, it's actually the word for his emotions. I'm setting the seed of my emotions to you. My very heart is going from me to you. Take care of it, please. He's assuming that it would matter to Philemon for the sake of the relationship. One commentator put it this way. He says this. He says, nothing could have been more powerful for assuaging the wrath of Philemon. You're like, really? That? Yes. Yes. Because it, for if he had refused to forgive his slave, he would thus have used cruelty against the very heart of Paul, who was his friend. And I ask you, does care for others matter to you? Do you care about people? 
If you have a hard heart, a heart of stone towards other people where you see them in pain or you see them needing to come to repentance, if you see them struggling and you're like, eh, whatever, you will very likely struggle with forgiveness. So I ask you, do the people around you matter to you? Paul assumed in sharing and being transparent, this is my very heart, he assumed that Philemon cared. Do you care? Next question is this, does integrity matter to you? Does integrity matter to you? Look at verse 13 and 14. He says this, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. What's he saying? I'm not going to manipulate the situation for my own benefit. I'm not going to try and use this and be like, hey, Onesimus, uh, you ran away from Paul. It's kind of water on the bridge. You can just stay here and serve me. I know that Philemon would be okay with it because, you know, he's my partner in the gospel, so it's okay. You can just stay here and we'll just, just let bygones be bygones. No, he is going to walk in integrity. He doesn't want Philemon's generosity to be, get, be, be done just because he has to, but because it's from the heart of Philemon. So he sends Onesimus home, seeking forgiveness. I, I've seen many people approach forgiveness this way, of like, how can I twist the scenario and situation to get the best possible outcome for me? Like, so I'll tell you only a little bit of half-truths or I will only confess certain amount because that's gonna work out to my best. Paul doesn't do that here. He's not manipulating the scenario. This happens a lot in abusive situations where, where people, you know, they confess for fear that they might lose something if they don't repent. I mean, we know this. If you're a parent here, you've seen this in your kids, right? Like, I said I'm sorry. Can I have a popsicle? You ever seen that? Onesimus isn't doing that here, and neither is Paul. This is a genuine appeal. This is, this is above board. He's not trying to hide anything, trying not to, to say, to get his own way. He's going out of his way to say, I'm not doing that. I am seeking your good, Philemon. And integrity mattered. And I would ask, does that matter to you? Next question is this, does your spiritual family matter to you? Does your spiritual family matter to you? He says this in verse 15, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Now I ask, was it good that Onesimus ran away? No, he actually committed a crime that in that culture was worthy of death. At the very minimum, what would have happened to Onesimus was that they would have stamped an F into his forehead that that stood for fugitive. And and, and beyond that, Philemon had every right under Roman law to kill Onesimus. So, So... he has risking quite a bit to come back to Paul or to Philemon. 
And, and so, but God is sovereign over this complete situation. And Paul relays that saying, maybe this is why he, he was separated from you. Maybe this is why he ran away so that you could lose useless and he could come to Christ and come back to you, not even as a slave, but receive him back as a brother, as an equal before you and before Christ. Like, this is, this is so countercultural. I, I cannot even spend enough time on that just saying, this did not happen. Now he's received back as a brother? Like, this, this means such a great deal to Paul because Philemon meant so much to him and Onesimus meant so much to him. And now he's, he's hoping and praying that they will reconcile and they will, they will mean so much to each other as brothers. Philemon had lost a slave and now he regains a brother. This is, should mean so much. This is great news. Like, I, I've seen people who, who have been hurt by others and, and they're, they're almost mad when the person repents. Because now, now, now I've got to forgive you. Now, now we've got to work through this. Are you excited when people come to Christ? Because God is in the business of saving souls and he saved Onesimus and brings him back as a brother. And I ask you this morning, does that matter to you? If, if Philemon had refused this, just, just think through what he would be saying. You know, Paul, God forgive him, God forgave him, but I think God's wrong. Paul, you may forgive him, but I don't care about you, Paul. My sense of justice is superior to God's. You know, God, you can forgive him and save him, but you do that because I won't. I will not forgive. And I ask you this morning, have you withheld forgiveness from your brothers and sisters in Christ? Does that matter to you? Do your brothers and sisters matter to you? And lastly today, the last question is this, is does God's will matter to you? Does God's will matter to you? Paul's will is definitely evident through this passage, right? He he makes it obvious what he's hoping that Paul will do or what Philemon will do. In addition, he's like, I'm confident that you can even do more than what I'm asking you to do. But can you see the heart of God here? Can you see the heart of God as we've looked through these other passages? As you look through scripture, God pleading for his children to reconcile their relationships with each other, to live in honesty and integrity and care for the hearts of the other person. John, in John 17, in, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, he prayed for us that we would be one even as he and the Father are one. I ask you, how is that even possible if we would withhold forgiveness from each other? I mean, think about it. If it wasn't in God's character to forgive, you and I would be toast. Like humanity be, would just be wiped out. It's by his grace that we are not consumed. We have offended this God in every possible way. Turning our back on him, spitting on him in our life, 
And yet, because of his love, because of his heart of forgiveness, because of his mercy, he he sends Christ to die for your sin, to redeem you so that you could have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you have. It is his will, that is his heart, that is his desire. And for us to say, nah, it doesn't matter. I want that for me, but I don't want it for you. And I don't want that between us. You, know, you might be here saying, like, you don't understand my scenario. You don't understand what's happened to me. You don't understand this. This surely couldn't apply to me. And I would just ask this. Are you asking that? Are you wrestling with that in one of two ways? Is it, is it because you are confused and don't understand how all of this plays out and need help? And I would encourage you, if that's the case, come see one of the elders and get counsel. Or is it, I don't think this applies to me and I'm looking for that loophole. Which is it? You might be here and say, you know, honestly, I don't have anybody on my heart that I need to forgive. And, you know, as far as I know, I've, I've confessed all my sin to people that I've heard. And so I don't, I don't feel like I have anybody like that. Praise God. And I would just ask this, do you care about those who do have those hurts? Paul had an intimate care for Philemon and Onesimus to reconcile. We're going to look into that more next time in detail, saying, hey, are you the, do you have the heart of a peacemaker as Paul did here? Will you come in between like Jesus did for us? And in closing, let me ask this question. You know, Paul, as I said, Paul could have used his authority as an apostle. He could have used all this weight of scripture over us to say, hey, you have to do this, Philemon, like, he could have been a really short letter. Dear Philemon, forgive Onesimus. Love Paul. That could have been it. He could have quoted passage after passage after passage that both commanded and revealed the heart of God who has forgiven us through his son. He could have reminded him of the gospel again and again. And yet he doesn't do that here. He merely just pleads for love's sake. Let me ask this. How far does God have to go to appeal to you to forgive? Like, does he have to bring to bear all these scripture passages and all of these things to where he has to show this is what is required? Or can he simply say, for love's sake, because I care about you, because this is my heart, this is my will. Do you care about me? Will you forgive because I want you to? Yeah, he can He can command and he does. But can you forgive those who've wronged you merely because the one you love has asked it? So I ask you today, does truth matter to you? Does care for others matter to you? Does integrity matter to you? Does your spiritual family matter to you? Does the will of your good God, does he matter to you? Then forgive, forgive. I I plead with you, for love's sake, I appeal to you, forgive. Let's pray.